On today's episode of Out of Office Bros, we're discussing the NFL divisional round playoffs, NFL coaching changes, and then CU Buffs men's and women's basketball. This is Out of Office Bros. Let's hit it. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another episode of Out of Office Bros. It is your boy, D-Train, along with my co-host, Mr. Scotty L. How are we doing today, pal? Oh, buddy. Well, we uh, we are through the divisional round of the playoffs, which means we are one step closer to Super Bowl Sunday. Mm-hmm. Not mad about that. Um, I saw you this weekend, live yes. and in the flesh. Anytime Scotty L and D-Train get together in person, it's always a good time. We have some people that can vouch for that, such as Shalom Sharp or Ethan, nicknameless Ethan. <laughs> and some people who may think it's not such a good thing, like, you know, occasionally your mom, if, you know, we're depending on what mood you and I are in. So we figure <laughs> it out, but, I, you know, I'm rolling through that. It, yeah. it was a great weekend. Well, and to those listeners that weren't there, uh, my wife and I did have a baby shower and uh, Scotty L uh, gave my wife and I a onesie with our out of office bros logo on it has my signature catchphrase of how you doing today, pal on there, as well as uh, says little Ubler on there. So going to have going to have our number one fan coming around the corner here soon, my friend. Yeah, little little baby D train bringing up the caboose here. I'm excited (laughs) to, to meet the little one and um first bit of merch coming soon to a, a shop near you maybe online that's right we'll, uh, that's right we'll have to see it's going to be a start of something great that's for sure well let's dive into these divisional round games man um in all actuality we had three very very good football games and then one that wasn't so great and it just so happened to be the very first one and that was the baltimore ravens defeating the houston texans 34 to 10 in baltimore yeah, um, I, I think this is one that we kind of saw ahead of time how it was going to play out. Yeah. You and I both thought nine and a half was a little aggressive of a line. Uh, clearly not enough. Yeah. Um, if you if you were betting the Texans there, um, the Ravens, man, they, uh, they picked up right where they left off in the regular season. Just absolute dominant performance from start to finish. Um, actually not, not from start to finish. They really closed the game strong. It was 10, 10 and a half and, um, the Ravens or no, they gave up a punt return. They didn't score the punt return touchdown. It was a, it was kind of an interesting game up until half. And then, you know, Lamar Jackson was superhuman. Yet again. Yeah. There's always, there's that old adage. That's like kind of, uh, rust versus rest right? Like, mm-hmm. are you, are you going to be able to come out and be as high potent or has have as much high potency as you did in the regular season uh, after coming off of a bye? And I think what we learned is that this Baltimore Ravens defense, number one, can <laughs> just come out and be dominant against a, against a, a very good offense in the Houston Texans. Don't get me wrong here. And it allowed their offense to kind of shake off that rust a little bit, find, get into their zone and then go on a 24 to nothing run to end that game. Yeah. Dude, I mean, you and I are, are big fans of, C- of CJ Stroud. Um, we think he's the future of, of this league to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And, Baltimore basically told him to take a seat. It's not his time yet. Yeah. And 
that defense was was real. Mm-hmm. It was real. And, you know, we'll, we'll be previewing, obviously, Ravens and the AFC Championship, but they they looked great this game. I mean, they looked really, really good. And part of that is, you know, Texans are probably a year ahead of schedule, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, but, this was a team. This was a team that came into the season with zero expectations. It was a first-year yeah. head coach, a rookie quarterback. I mean, the fact that they made it this far, I think, is something to be proud of for sure. Oh yeah, if I was a Texans fan, I'd be stoked this year. Yeah, yeah, stoked because once you made the playoffs, you're playing with house money mm-hmm. the entire run. So great for them. Um, I think they're going to be around for a long time. I think CJ is going to be kind of that next wave of great quarterbacks in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But he ran into a buzzsaw and he ran into a guy that, you know, quietly put together a great season. We we didn't focus a lot on the Ravens this year, but Lamar was unbelievable, unbelievable this entire season. And he continued it right into the playoffs. And I think, you know, if I'm, if I'm the Ravens, that's exactly how I'd want it. I would want people to underestimate us or kind of forget about us a little bit, even though we are the one seed and, let them come in thinking that they can, they can dethrone us, take us away. Yeah. Well, and I think that happens every single year where the one seed kind of gets forgotten because of the hype of super wildcard weekend with those six games that happen that everybody kind of forgets. I, I think everybody did forget about the Ravens and the 49ers. They were just talking about all the other teams and then both number one seeds took care of business. Yeah, um, Ravens did the best job of taking care of business, I think, all this weekend. But yeah. they they did it, and you know Lamar had 152 yards through the air with two tutties. Then on the ground, he had 100 yards with two more tutties. Right. He, he he's got to stop him, and you can't. You and he, can't and right he's now. he's deserving of this MVP that he's about to get next week. Oh, a thousand percent, dude. A thousand percent. And I know Shalom also has a future on the Ravens for the Super Bowl this year. So, I, I mean, I guess that's a positive for Out of Office Bros since we acquired the Fade Gamblers Network, mm-hmm. I guess, if if they win the Super Bowl. But, you know, there's not, there's not much to say about this game. The Ravens were dominant. We expected them to win. It, it was a chalk win, and, you know, now they they've secured home field. They obviously deserve it. So, So, yeah, that's so with them being the number one seed and winning this game, that means that for the first time since 2017, the AFC championship game is not going to be held at Arrowhead Stadium. Good. But that but that doesn't mean the Chiefs weren't going to be in this game. We'll get we'll get to that one here shortly. But the next game on Saturday was uh, number seven seed Green Bay Packers, the first seven seed to win in Super Wild Card Weekend, taking on the number one seed San Francisco 49ers. Um, the, the 49ers, by far and away, were the best team in the NFC this year. And I think the Packers really gave them a scare in this game yeah um, and and told them hey it, like it's it's time to wake up like if you want to win a super bowl you cannot play like this against everybody else particularly their opponent next weekend yeah i mean you and i talked about it in our preview right like if it was a quarterback if it was just strictly quarterback versus quarterback i'm taking the packers all damn day right. like 
Jordan Love, he came out. He had a better game than Brock Purdy. He did, in my eyes. I mean, granted, he threw two picks, but he also threw two zaddies. He was dangerous. And I, I, I really think the Packers should have won this game. I mean, mm-hmm. they gave up 10 fourth-quarter points to squander away their lead and lose by a field goal. It, it sucks to see because the Packers were – we're kind of rolling and it's fun to see Jordan Love and Aaron Jones and Romeo Dobbs kind of put the NFC on notice here a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like, okay. As many of our listeners know, I, I lived in the Bay for a year. I lived in the Bay area. I was actually, my place out there was 10 minutes from the Niners stadium. Niners fans are awful they are terrible people like i i cannot stand niners fans so i was hoping to god it's like rooting against philly right you root against philly fans not necessarily philly the team right that's how this was for me because niners fans they're all warriors fans man they're like they're so fair weather that if this team chokes again in the nfc championship like they've done the last three years this fan base is going to start saying like, Oh, we got to blow it up. We got to fire Kyle Shanahan. We got to do this. We got to do that. Like they're so spoiled out there and they'll stop showing up. And that drives me nuts as someone who's rode with my teams through good and bad. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're riding with the Broncos right now and they're, they're not good. We rode with the abs when they were the worst team in the NHL. We rode with the nuggets when they couldn't get into the playoffs. They kept losing the last game of the season and couldn't make it in the playoffs. So they would, you know, get in the first round and choke. We rode with them. Mm-hmm. Bay fans don't do that shit. That's or say, why they lose teams. Say what you will about like Cowboys fans, but they ride with the Cowboys no matter what, even though we hate them. They, they're <laughs> they're completely fucking delusional, but they ride with them every year. Right. Like it, Bay fans don't do that. The Sharks are struggling with attendance right now. They lost the Oakland A's, and that is the Bay. That is East Bay, but it is the Bay. Mm-hmm. They lost the A's to Vegas. They lost the Raiders to Vegas. Like, the, it, it's a fact. And the Warriors were not pulling what they were pulling attendance-wise before this rise of Curry and Clay. Mm-hmm. Like, they just didn't. So it, it's an absolute joke to me that these Niner fans are going to probably witness the same thing and then stop showing up. They They will. And it, it sucks because they have a great team. George Kittle is an amazing tight end. Christian McCaffrey is obviously the best weapon in football, probably. Um, but they've kind of been cursed. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, this one came down to the wire, man. Like I was watching this one and my palms started getting sweaty. And these are two teams that I have no uh, affiliation with. No, like I really who won really didn't matter to me. I guess I was rooting for the Packers kind of in a way, just as the underdog. Um, But they, the Packers had a chance to win this football game and completely squandered it. They're they're the, the green Bay Packers are the youngest team in football. I think that they're going to be in this position, if not in a better position for years moving forward, I think they're going to be a perennial playoff team. But their quarterback, as young as he is, 
made one of the most bonehead decisions I think I've seen made in the playoffs in a very long time. Where on the on their the offensive uh, final play from scrimmage, throws it across his body to the other side of the field into double coverage, triple coverage even, and obviously like that's gonna be a pick nine times out of ten. The only thing the only thing that could go in your favor is those guys are playing defense for a reason and they don't have hands and they just drop the ball. Yeah. I mean, he Brett farmed it. Right. But Dre Greenlaw had already picked him off once earlier in the game. He was going to get, he was going to get that second one. Yeah. It was a, it was a terrible decision. It ended the game effectively. Yeah. In my eyes, I think that's when you felt the momentum really shift. Obviously the Niners went down scored. Chris McCaffrey scored with like a minute on the clock Something like that. Um, but yeah, just a terrible play. And, you know, I think, I, I hope that doesn't rattle Jordan Love for the future because he he's a really promising young quarterback. It'll, it'll be interesting to watch the Packers next year, especially, you know, they're, they're not going to be kings of their division anymore. They're not. Right. right. But they could be one of those perennial wildcard teams that is always going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting and- to see how they bounce back. And and just like they did last week, could be a team that upsets somebody. Yeah, year no, in and year out. So, absolutely. Nope that was uh, that was that was a very good football game. Um, uh, to the 49ers, just to li- like just to go back a little bit here. Brock Purdy needs to play better if they're going to win the Super Bowl against this team right here. Uh, so the next game, first game on Sunday, the number four Tampa Bay Buccaneers took on the. In Motor City, Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions. Um, I don't know, man. Like this Buccaneers team, they they backed their way into the NFL playoffs by by winning the NFC South, which is the most sorry division in football. Um, but they proved that they belonged in the playoffs after routing the Eagles last week. And so heading into this game, I was like, oh, damn, am I rooting for Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here? Yeah, um, conflicted for me because yeah. I am a Baker guy. Like I was a Baker guy in college. I was when he was in college at OU. Um, I kind of loved the you know the shit talking, the planting the flag, the grabbing his crotch. Like it got me fired up. That's what college football is about. Um, unfortunately, I had to toil part of his the early part of his career away in Cleveland, where quarterbacks go to die, except for Joe Flacco. Weirdly, resurgence. But, I was stoked to see Baker um, yeah. make it to this point. However, he ran into my vested rooting interest in these NFL playoffs <laughs> with Daniel Allen Campbell and the Detroit Lions. It was a yeah. it was a fun game though. The the Lions are the feel good story of the league this whole season. They just. I, I, I'd love to see like every once in a while ESPN or SportsCenter, somebody puts out a map of what states and who is rooting for who and that kind of thing. And I'd have to say, you know, at this point, there's probably 46 states that are going to be rooting for the Detroit Lions. As they should be. This yeah. is an awesome story. Awesome this is history. Story. Like the Lions... This was a gritty matchup between two very gritty teams. Mm-hmm. And the Lions just continue to get the job done. Mm-hmm. And this redemption arc of Jared Goff 
and the redemption arc of the Detroit Lions organization. Yeah. It's just too good of a story to not pull for. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you got to. If you have any sort of semblance of like caring about the storylines of sports, which we all watch sports for the storylines, you got to be rooting for the Detroit Lions. You got to. Mm-hmm. And this game, this game was so good. Through three quarters, it was it was a tie ball game. We went into that fourth quarter, seventeen to seventeen, but the fourth quarter ended up being all Detroit, and that's that grit. That's that um, that kind of underdog mentality that Dan Campbell has just been oozing into this football team, and. They got a lot of heat when they took Jameer Gibbs at the at the number twelve pick, where when there were definitely other positions of need on that team. But my God, man, he blew that game completely wide open on his thirty seven yard uh, scamper to the end zone to give them a, a twenty four to seventeen or a twenty three to seventeen lead with an extra point. Um, but then they get they get uh, turnover on downs go down right and score Amon Ross St. Brown, who is probably the most underrated wide receiver in the league um, to put them up 31 to 17 and eventually seal this one. Um, the, the, the game ended up finishing 31 to 23, but that's as close as the bucks would be able to get. Yeah. I don't fully understand what Dan, what um, Todd Bowles was doing at the end of the game because they could have gotten the ball back with just a little time. Yeah, the Lions, the Lions, the Lions fucked up, and Jared Gobb snapped it a couple of seconds too soon. Mm-hmm. But, but I think, I think in his mind, maybe he's looking to looking to next year. Didn't want to get anybody hurt, throwing a couple of hail marys down there, um, and just you know didn't think that it was worth it. I don't, I don't it's know. It's the final game of the season, D Train. I gotta I leave get it all it. on the field. I, I, I would have too. <laughs> don't get, don't get me I wrong, get it. but it but it was wild. Like seeing that clock tick down at like 38 seconds and all the dudes are strapping off their chin straps and starting to high five each other and give each other hugs and shit. I was like, wait a minute. They have another there's time still, out. Yeah. There's still football. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't get that, but at the end of the day, like, you know, maybe the Buccaneers are quietly rooting for Tampa or for Detroit. Maybe because <laughs> It's been 32 years since the Lions last made the AFC, the NFC Championship. Yeah. I, I saw this earlier, and I wanted to talk about it. So the last time the Lions made the championship, the NFC Championship, iPods didn't exist yet. Text messaging wasn't invented. That, that blows my mind. Four impact players, four starters on the Lions were not born Jared Goff, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs, and Sam Laporta. None of them were born. Aiden Hutchinson also wasn't born, by the way. Which Amazon, he was dominant in this game. He was unbelievable. Amazon, Google, MySpace, and Facebook all did not exist. Sony hadn't come out with a PlayStation. Microsoft hadn't come out with an Xbox. The BlackBerry... BlackBerry cell phone was still eight years away from being created. In the NBA world, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Nikola Jokic, none of those three were born yet. They, they weren't even 
swimmers at that point. And one Dan Campbell was in high school. He was a high schooler the last time this happened. Yeah, this is history that we're watching right now. 32 years. I'm about to thir- turn 32 in April. Yeah, you and I were not born yet. I turned yeah. 30 in March. We, right. we were not alive yeah. the last time this happened. We weren't even swimmers yet. No. Like, this is unbelievable. Yeah, and I just how, don't how see... How can anyone not root for this? How can Exactly. Especially against a perennial NFC Championship team like the 49ers. Why would you not want the Detroit Lions to win this one? Unless right. you're a 49ers fan. Or you're worried about the safety of the city of Detroit. <laughs> that uh, that may be a bit of a concern, for sure. Oh, they're going to riot. As they should. Yeah. Could you imagine Denver if we had not made an AFC championship in 32 years? Oh, my gosh. The sound would riot. Luckily, we had made it a few times for us. <laughs> but yeah, let's go... Let's move to the best game of the weekend uh, and arguably the most frustrating game of the weekend as well, where Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen's quarterback rivalry uh, has been getting touted as the second coming of Brady versus Manning. And I, unfortunately, I don't think that this rivalry comes even close to that because Josh Allen still hasn't fucking won one. Yeah, um, Allen's got to get it done in the playoffs, man. Like, yes. if we want to start talking about this rivalry in that same breath, Josh has got to win one in the playoffs when it matters the most. Mm-hmm. And honestly, this loss kind of comes on him. In a way, uh, I think this one we can definitely dive into a bit more than the other ones because there's a lot more to scrutinize. Um yep. Mostly because we were rooting for the Bills. The defending champion Kansas City Chiefs have had a tumultuous up and down season. And coming into this game, you tr- I truly felt like the Buffalo Bills were riding a much larger wave of mo- momentum. They were at home in Orchard Park, and it was, I mean, we talked about this last week. It was Patrick Mahomes' first road, true road game in the playoffs. All signs point to the Buffalo Bills winning this football game. Yet, the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes are somehow able to still get this thing done. Here's why. The For the first time, I think, the Chiefs have a better defense than they have had the, in the previous five seasons. I think that this year is probably their best overall team, even though it doesn't look like it on paper because they're not putting up those gaudy points and, you know, Patrick Mahomes isn't throwing for 400-plus yards per game. But as a, but a, as a team... I think that this is the most complete one that they have. Yeah. I mean, in fairness, their defense was not great all those years. They won the Super Bowl, So the bar wasn't exceedingly high. Um, 
I'm trying to collect myself because this game just frustrated me to no end. Yeah, I know. There's like, a lot to talk about. I think we can talk about the first half kind of briefly and then get into the second half. So in the first half, uh, I mean, there were fireworks, offensive fireworks from both sides of the ball, but not not that blew anything wide open. Both defenses kept these teams close. Uh, Josh Allen ran for two scores. Patrick Mahomes connected with Travis Kelsey on one. And at the half, it was 17-13 Bills. Um, in, and then in the third quarter, both teams, uh, exchanged touchdowns. And then, uh, it was kind of just like, like Tommy Townsend never had to even punt the ball in the first mm-hmm. half. He, he punted the ball one time this entire football game. And it's because both offenses were able to stay on the field, but really couldn't put together complete drives. Yeah. It was, it was weird out of these two offenses. Like you're, you're just so accustomed to seeing them finish drives that, I mean, the yards were insane. This game, it was mm-hmm. 361 for Kansas city, 368 for Buffalo. Like they were moving the mm-hmm. chains. They kept long sustained drives. It, it had that feeling of every Kansas city Buffalo game of whoever has the ball last is going to, is going to win. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, Josh Allen, he, he was excellent in the first half. I really think he was excellent well, for and he, the magnitude of the moment. And all things considered, he was excellent. He looked like he not only wanted this, but needed this. Like he was he was going to put the Buffalo Bills on his back and take them to the promised land. It, like, it really looked like that in the first half. Yeah, especially with, you know, a couple of scary moments like that final offensive drive where he got ripped down by his neck. You know, that that was a moment where it was like, oh, is Josh going to be able to finish this game out? Mm-hmm. He, it, it, a tough motherfucker, he, man. Yeah, you felt that just burning desire to go out and get it done. You know, you saw a bunch of injuries p- kind of pile up on the Bills throughout the game where guys were getting shaken up, guys were getting beaten up. Um, Knox was out for a lot of it, it felt like, mm-hmm. after um, – his head injury, but he came back in and played, you know, they, they had some key guys miss some, miss some key plays in that game. Mm -hmm. And it, I'm just so sick of the fucking chiefs. No, no, let's go to the, let's go to the fourth quarter because this is where things started to get nutty. So Isaiah Pacheco runs one in to give the chiefs uh, the, the lead 27 to 24. And this was the sixth lead change heading into the, at that point, um, the Buffalo bills were inside their, uh, their own 50. They're still on their side of the field and it got to a fourth down the chiefs. Uh, both special teams units come out and the chiefs apparently had a mix up in communication or whatever, had 10 men on the field and Buffalo decided to auto the audible, the the play and run a fake to DeMar Hamlin to try to try to get that first down and and keep their drive alive. Um, didn't convert. And it looked like the chiefs were about to just fucking blow this thing wide open. The Chiefs work down to the goal line. Patrick Mahomes passes the ball to Michael Hardman, who then fumbles it for a great play by, um, I think it was Rousseau of Buffalo mm-hmm. coming in with that peanut punch and knocking that ball out. And the ball sails through the end zone, which turns into a touchback. 
there is talk today about them changing that rule. They shouldn't. They, they shouldn't. shouldn't. They shouldn't. This has been a rule for a very long time. I just don't I don't know why it's getting the spotlight. Actually, I do. You want to know why it's getting the spotlight? It's because it's fucking Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City fucking Chiefs. Exactly. Exactly. Because it could have lost them the game. That is the only reason this is even a topic of discussion. You know what? You're you're in the end zone. You were right by that. Don't fumble the fucking ball. Right. Hold on. To there's the got ball. there's got to be there's got to be some form of punishment for that happening. Exactly, and that should be it. Yes. Like what? So we place it at the fucking one. Really? Yeah. No. I I don't no, know. You hold on to the ball. I don't know what I don't know what they're planning on doing with that, but I do know that it's going to get brought up in the owners' meetings once the season ends. So we'll definitely follow yeah. that. Because ESPN's fucking darling is Patrick Mahomes and the goddamn Kansas City Chiefs, and I am so sick of it. I, I hate it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can't watch a football game without Mahomes Auto commercials for yeah. my fucking State Farm. Like, is is Patrick Mahomes a great talent? Yes. He's not Tom Brady. Let, let's pump the brakes on goat talk before he even. He's got what three, two, two, two rings. He's got two. He still needs four. He is tied with Peyton, which is no small feat, but he is not in the neighborhood of Tom Brady yet. Well, he's not. With this win, though, it is his thirteenth playoff victory which is the most by any quarterbacks under the age of 30. He doesn't have six. Right. I mean, I, I hear you. He doesn't have six. And seven. I, I'm just so, seven. I'm just so sick of having to hear about the Chiefs. And part of that is my Bronco fandom. And inherently, I'm just going to hate the Chiefs. But the other part is, I, I just... He is probably the best improvisational quarterback to ever play the game, probably. I wasn't around for, like, Sammy Baugh or even, like, you know, Steve Young, really. Steve Young was kind of early before I can really – like, before I was a human is how I like to classify that. (laughs) Like, he's great. He is a great quarterback. He hasn't done it yet. Yeah. Like, if I'm equating this to golf terms, right, we were all anointing, you know, Rory McIlroy and Jordan Spieth as the next GOAT after Tiger when realistically they're about the same stage of their career as Patrick Mahomes. And guess what? Neither of those guys have done it. Neither of those guys have fit that bill. So before we start doing this stuff, and this is what drives me nuts about this modern era of, like, we need to go on to the next great thing immediately. They've got to earn it. They got to earn the right to mm-hmm. be crowned the goat. Mm-hmm. Mahomes is earning it, but he's not there yet. He's not. Let's cut the shit and let's also be real. Like, if Josh Allen hits Stefan Diggs on that shallow crossing route in the fourth, on third and nine, instead of going for the end zone, the Bills 
probably score on that drive. At least they tie the game because it makes Tyler Bass's kick a lot easier. Yeah, the Bills absolutely faltered. So so they got the ball back after that touchback, had about eight minutes to get the ball down the field, all 80 yards. Plenty of time. Plenty of time. They get Too down to the – did, did they get down to the, was it the 26-yard line? Yeah. Was it around there, yeah. And instead of trying to go for the first down, try to run off more clock, try to make it easier on your kicker, they decide to take three shots into the end zone. What in God's fucking name, Ben Johnson offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. Are you thinking? It was awful. There are kids there are kids playing Madden right now that aren't that fucking dumb. No. I mean, you handed the Chiefs another AFC championship playoff appearance. Yes. Handed it to them. Cause if even if they even if they get the one first down at least they're at the 16-yard line, and they make it a 34-yard field goal as opposed to a 44-yard field goal. No right. field goals in that wind at Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park are a gimme. None of them were going to be a gimme. But the closer you can get, the better. And I'm not. I'm not saying that you have to always play for the win, or that you're that. You, sorry, that you should always that you should play for the tie. But what I am saying is is that you have to give your offense a chance for for more chances. Get that get that first down. You had plenty of time on the clock. Plenty. I do not know what? there was only one play that was even close and Josh Allen maybe it was nerves. Maybe maybe he saw uh I think it was Shakur wide open in the end zone. And panicked. Yeah, he he just missed the throw. He missed the he throw. Missed but that was the old. That was that was the first down play. There were two other ones after that where there was nothing. Chiefs were clamped. Yeah, and Tony Romo tried to like justify the throw into the end zone and said, "Oh, he got hit. He didn't. He just missed it. He just yeah. missed the throw." And, you know, he had he had someone open down low. That wasn't the play with Diggs. Although Diggs was open, like, the, I think the very next play down low on a shallow cross that would have easily gotten easily the first Easily gotten down. the first down, yes. Easily. And Allen got a little greedy. And honestly, I don't even know what he's thinking at that point or what the play design was at that point where maybe that was his primary read was into the end zone. But why are you calling that? Because, okay, say that happens – it you still leave Mahomes with a minute fifty five, two minutes somewhere in there, which they That's beat too you much with, time. They beat you with twelve fucking seconds last year. Yeah, you can't give them that much time. Pick up the furs, move the chains, get as close to triple zero on the clock as possible. Yes, even if you have to kick the field goal, then don't give them a fucking chance. And you know, what not. you know what they're not expecting you to do there is run the football. Right. They think that, they're, that you're going to put the hand or the ball in the hands of your best playmakers. 
But James Cook well, was eating until until they stopped giving him the football. Well, and so was Josh Allen on the ground. Right. 12 carries for 72 yards and two tucks. Like, Josh, one read and go. One read and go. Don't yeah. make, like, just get the first. Yeah. Basically, if, Diggs, is, if Diggs isn't open, tuck it and run. Yeah. Down there. Or, like, what, what, what kind of play design are you doing where Dalton Kincaid was great this game? Why are you not feeding him in that short situation? You know, that kind of intermediate short passing game. Right. What are you doing going deep, going for it all with that much time on the clock, with knowing who you have on the other sideline? Why are you not just milking every single second? And that was the other part. They stopped the clock three times. Yes. Like with three incomplete passes. One run would have eaten up 40 seconds off of the clock. Even if you get two yards, one makes it a 42-yard field goal. <laughs> and he still missed it wide right. It doesn't matter. But at least you don't give the Chiefs that much time if you do exactly. make that field goal. I don't know, man. It was – they botched that shit. So hard. And now we're, we're saddled with the Ravens versus the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, and I have to root for the Ravens. Yes, which I don't like to do. No, I don't either. I don't, but anyone but the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. Honestly, like, and that's not just from their run of dominance here. It's part of it's just their fucking arrogance. Mm -hmm. Like, the audacity to sit there and wave at the fans on the sideline. Like, y'all have been to how many AFC Championship games? Y'all have won how many Super Bowls? You've been there and you've done it. Yeah, just you shut up and do your job. Shut up and do the job. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm all for talking shit and having fun, but that should be within the confines of the gridiron. Like, feel free to talk your shit to the fan or to the players on the opposing side. But, like, you know, part of it also has to do with Buffalo fans are, are great fans. Like, they are. Um, you know, I don't need to see Chandler Jones sitting there flipping off the entire sense. Right. For tossing a snowball. Right. Which I I don't condone that. Don't do that either. But you don't need to be flipping them off for doing that. Yeah. Like, if anything, that's just going to incite the crowd more. Well, and don't they have just snowballs flying? Like, there's so many dudes that are standing there on the sideline. Like, surely five or six of them are like PR guys where if something does happen, they go and they they tell, you know, security or whomever, toss that guy. Those sidelines are so tight. Like, I remember back when I worked for the Broncos, you had Argus people stationed, like, every 10 yards, basically, around the field. You have people at the top of every section that they can, like, you can point people out from the sideline and say, get him gone. And they'll do it because they have to. Mm -hmm. Like, the Chiefs were inciting this shit to a certain extent. They were. And Buffalo fans should not have been throwing snowballs. But also, like, you are an all-pro defensive tackle. Don't sit there and, you know, do the double bird. Right. You're better than that. Like, you just are. And I would be saying that even if it was Vaughn Miller on the Broncos sideline during Super Bowl 50. Like, that, that's just a fact. You're better than that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, the one part of this that I loved from the Chiefs side of things, Jason 
Kelsey. Oh my God, man. What a super fan that he turned into for his brother. Like I, I as as much as I hate the Chiefs, as much as I am sick of this Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey bullshit, seeing Jason Kelsey out there with his shirt off in whatever cold ass temperature it was in Orchard Park, just chugging beers. Uh there's there's a I could see like because we've gotten a glimpse into the life of the Kelsey brothers as of, as of late because of all this hype and everything. Um, but uh, Jason Kelsey's wife, I think her name's Kylie um, yeah. or Ka- Kaylee or something like that is a fucking saint. You can, you can tell. So there, there's a shot of, of Jason with his shirt off, like, you know, bare chested, screaming after his brother got that touchdown and you can see uh jason kelsey's wife just looking at him like what a moron like but not mad not not upset or anything but just like glad we came (laughs) more more than anything else yeah yeah it was i'm just a big jason kelsey fan because he just seems like a dude you want to go like just crush beers with just absolutely delete an entire case of beers with because it would be fucking awesome yeah. like he would be a legend to just have a couple brewskis with he was out tailgating with bill's mafia before the game mm-hmm. and he, i love that already... mafia embrace him even though they know he's rooting for the chiefs even though they know that he's a homer for his brother like they were just like oh my god this is awesome jason kelsey is at my tailgate well because let's call it what it is like jason kelsey looks like 90% of Bill's Mafia. True. Like a heavier, heavier, big, like big guy. You could tell he just loves to party. Barrel chested. Barrel chested, built for the cold. He he would have been a perfect Buffalo Bill. Like it, it's almost a travesty that he, ha- that he played in Philly all these years because he would have been so perfect for Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I loved it. And we all got a glimpse of when I am at Baby D Train's sporting events in the future, how I'm going to be acting. Except at that point, it's going to be like, sir, you need to keep your shirt on or we're arresting you. This is a a nine-year-old youth football game. Please calm down. Sir, this is a four-year-old youth soccer game. They're all just following (laughs) the ball around in a pack. What are you doing? But it was awesome. And did you see him like when he got out of the box, he jumps out of the box, goes down into the stands with – all the all these Bills and Chiefs fans kind of around him, and then his wife yelled at him, "Get your ass back in the box!" And yeah, this big boy, three hundred pound man, shows elite athleticism and just one hops it into the bo- back into well, the box. From the well, stands. yeah, man, he's on a weak rest because his Eagles got bounced last week. He's he could have played today. Dude, I'm I'm just such a Jason Kelsey guy. <laughs> like, I, I love this dude. Yeah, like Travis Kelsey kind of seems like a tool. Jason is the man. Yeah. I want to hang out with Jason Kelsey. I want to be friends. Yeah, I would too. Um, well, the NFL Conference Championship games are set in the AFC. We have the Kansas City Chiefs traveling to Baltimore to take on number one seed at Baltimore Ravens. And our Detroit Lions head into the Bay to take on Dan Campbell. Or sorry, sorry to take on um, uh, Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers. Um both going to be, I think, great football games. Um, we'll do more of a preview next week, but just kind of a who do you want to win? You're, you're, you want a Ravens-Lions Super Bowl, am I right? Yes, and I will be donning the Honolulu blue. All yeah. damn 
day. Tinfoil hat conspiracy here is that it's going to be the Ravens versus the 49ers. There was a, um, a news station that announced that it was going to be Usher and uh, Post Malone and uh, there's another music or Reba McIntyre that are going to be performing at uh, Super Bowl 58. And uh, it said that it was set to be the Baltimore Ravens versus the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, NFL is scripted. Um, I think we all know that, but it would be more of a Disney script if the Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell, um, I'll give a fighting Dan Campbells for our boy Shalom Sharp out there. Mm hmm. If they make it, that's a Disney movie. Yeah, that is. Well, a Disney I mean, movie. they're they're changing the script now because that news station got word of it. So we may end up having the Chiefs Lions at this point. I'd be knows. I'd be fine with I'd be fine as long as the Lions win. Yeah, yeah, same. Fuck the Chiefs. <laughs> same here, my friend. Uh, well, just briefly, let's talk about some uh, NFL coaching changes. So the only um, head coach uh, that has been uh, has been decided here is that uh, Brian Callahan, former offensive coordinator for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, is going to be taking on the head coaching job for the Tennessee Titans. Um, there, there was one more too, Antonio Pierce. Oh yeah, duh. They, sorry. They ripped that interim label off of him, but uh, yeah, good hire for the Titans. Um, we'll see how it goes. He still needs a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think developmentally wise, this is probably the best hire that the Titans could have picked if they're staying with Will Levis. Um, yeah. Uh, Brian Callahan joined um, Zach Taylor's staff when he joined Cincinnati five years ago and has been the OC over there for five years. So he has uh, been there for the, the Joe Burrow growth and, well, and pitfalls of this year. But, um, but no, like they, they took that cellar dwelling team that was the Cincinnati Bengals uh, and put together three winning seas winning seasons and even reached one Super Bowl. Um, obviously this year was not any of that. But, uh, no, I think it's a great hire for them if they do stick with Will Levis. Um, yeah, it's a good hire. It is. Um, I think that, you know, he, he'll be able to help Levis along, or if they go with a quarterback in the draft at some point, he'll be able to help that guy along. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious to see if this potentially changes Derrick Henry's mind um, as he enters free agency. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting. I think it's a good hire, though. I yeah. I'm, I can't poo poo this hire. The uh, the other one for me with uh, some of the teams that we're losing this week is what do the uh, Green Bay Packers do with Joe Barry, their defensive coordinator? Um, obviously, they were not doing great for the majority of the season. We're able to turn it around, make it into the divisional round of the playoffs. So what do you do kind of long-term, big-picture sort of thing when they may have not started the process yet, but what what do they do here? Because they, they, they have not had a great defense like we're used to seeing the Green Bay Packers have in the past. Yeah, I mean, how much of that is the, the dogs that are on that defensive side and how much of it is – you know, the X's and O's, um, because there is a mix between, you know, the Jimmy's and Joe's and the X's and O's. And if the Packers can upgrade, if they can, you do it. 
if there's not someone who is clear cut better, I think you hold out to the next cycle. Yeah. That, that's just I'd, my opinion. Yeah. I'd probably, I, I tend to do agree with you there too. I mean, it's not like, it's not like he fell off. It got better. So you would hope that heading into next season, things are going to improve for the Green Bay Packers. Um, and then, yeah, congrats to Antonio Pierce. I think that's good news for the Broncos personally. Um, mm -hmm. Personnel wise, I don't think that that's like the best hire, though. There's guys that are not X's and O's, and it's just about how you can rally a team, how you can get the dudes to buy into whatever you're selling. And Antonio Pierce absolutely did that for the Raiders this season. Yeah, I think it comes for him down to the uh, the coordinator hires because um, he I don't think he is an X's and O's guy. I think he is. You know, we've seen that work. We, we have here. Um, with with the buffs in terms of Bill McCartney, he self-admitted is a terrible X's and O's coach, but he put the right guys around him that were the X's and O's guys. Right. If Antonio Pierce does something similar to that, the Ra the Raiders could have a long run of success under him. I'm not sure he will be capable of doing that, or will do that, but I, I think it was the right hire, especially with how much the players love him and bought into him. Mm -hmm you really risk losing that locker room. So you made the right hire for the time. Um, we'll see how this plays out over the next year and, you know, the year after. Yeah, yeah. It is crazy how many former NFL linebackers are head coaches. Yeah, especially after uh, one of the – I mean, one of the main ones to do it kind of failed with the 49ers, if you remember that whole yeah. saga. With, uh, yeah, Mike Singletary. Singletary. Yep. Yeah, he was bad. <laughs> that was bad well let's uh let's switch gears here and we're going to switch to our cu buffs basketball teams um we'll start with the women's side who had a huge weekend uh taking on very high ranked opponents um at the time uh it was number six ucla came into or sorry number five ranked ucla came into boulder to take on our lady buffs uh buffs did lose 76 to 68 um, and then that took UCLA up into the rankings and out there ranked number two after toppling the buffs. Um, honestly, like not a horrible game from us. I think we're capable of beating this team. They just, they just got hot in the fourth and they're, and the, and there's not a lot that you can do about that. Yeah. I mean, they outscored us in the fourth. Um, they outscored us in the third as well. You know, it, it's tough. And I wonder if maybe the crowd, it was a sellout crowd in Boulder, the largest attendance ever for mm -hmm. this program, um, for the first ever top five matchup at the keg between two top five teams. It was a great game to watch. I watched every minute of it. Um, you know, there were some interesting calls for uh, that went against both teams. Um, thank God Pac-12 officiating is dying after this year, but basketball also does it a little bit different where it's regional, so we might have to deal with these terrible officials in the future. Um, UCLA won, and they're a quality program. This isn't going to hurt the buffs come March. However, the UCLA Bruins did lose tonight mm -hmm. to the University of Utah, another very very high-quality Pac-12 team. Um but I, I think this was a game that the Buffs maybe needed here, the Lady Buffs did, to kind of check them, 
and it's better for this to happen against UCLA than it would be, say, against Oregon or Oregon State. Right. right. I think it came at the right time, and you'd rather have this, you know, middle-ish end of January than come Pac-12 tournament, come March. Come late, late February. February. Yeah. You'd rather have this now where sometimes you just need that loss to refocus you and kind of keep your edge. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, better to do it against a top five team. Right. And they did. They answered back on Sunday. Uh, that, that first game against UCLA was on Friday. Um, they answered back against number six ranked USC at that point, uh, toppling them by four points. Also another incredible game. Um, I mean, this this conference in terms of basketball, it, women's basketball is insane right now. Oh, my God. It's there, there's a there's a very good chance that the national champion comes out of the Pac-12. Oh, absolutely. And I, and honestly, it depends on how the bracket falls, but you could see three final four teams out of the Pac-12. Right. There, there, there is such a high ceiling from, you know, the top of the conference to about midway through. And even then, the worst team in the conference is below 500. They're 9-10 and 10 in Arizona State. They're going to have a really bad year. Arizona's not great either on the women's side, but Oregon, they could upset some people kind of, you know, from the bottom. But when you look at it, after U.S., after really Wazoo, um, Wazoo and up, it, it's such a deep conference because you got USC, who is a top 10 ranked uh, team. You have Utah, who's excellent. Oregon State, they can make some noise. I don't think they're that good this year. They just got ranked, what we've though. Seen. They just got ranked today as the 25th team in the country. Yeah, they're they're not a bad program. Um, they're not as good as they've been in recent years. Back when they had like Sydney Weiss, she was a killer. But they're still solid. UCLA is a very, very good basketball team. Very, very good. Colorado, I think, is probably the most consistent team in the pack and a team that doesn't have high-end talent but is probably the best overall team. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Stanford, which has a history of excellence. And also, quick plug here, um, Tar Vanderveer, man. She is officially the winningest coach in NCAA history for men or women in basketball. Tremendous, tremendous coach. I was fortunate enough to um, meet her a couple times back when we were in school and I was working for the women's basketball team at the University of Colorado. Um, she's a competitor. She is pure class. And she is the definition of excellence. I mean, she is above Mike Krzyzewski. She's above John Wooden. She's above Pat Summit. She's above Gino Ariema. These are the pantheon of college coaches and Tara stands above them all. Mm-hmm. She's incredible and she's got that Stanford team rolling. You know, they couldn't beat the buffs. But that was a high-quality matchup that, you know, if we see them in the Pac-12 tournament, that's a team that does scare me. Mm-hmm. So shout-out to them. But it speaks to the overall depth and excellence in this conference for women's hoops because you you could see feasibly eight teams make the tournament. Yeah. Eight. It is that good. Which is insane. Yeah. Unbelievable. But um, huge bounce-back win for the Buffs. Quay Miller was excellent this game. Um, against USC, she had 19 points, 7 of 12 from the field. She she is such an impactful portion of this team 
when she goes, because we know Jalen Sherrod's going to go. Yeah. We know that. But when Quay is clicking, this team's hard to beat. Mm-hmm. Let's move to the men's side here and uh, two big wins. Uh, if you listen to our last episode, uh, the Oregon Ducks were taking on the Colorado Buffaloes uh, at Coors Event Center um, as we were as we were recording. And uh, the Buffs went up by seven points at halftime, went up by uh, sorry, went up by nine points at halftime, then went up by seven in the second half for an easy victory by 16 points over Oregon. Um, huge win not in terms of like the shakeup of the Pac-12, but I think mentally for our Tad Boyle-led Buffaloes. Yeah, this was um this was a Tad ball game to a certain extent. You yeah. know, if I'm I I know Tad well enough from our time at Colorado that he is going to absolutely love that we out-rebounded. We won the tur- we won the rebound battle um 37 to 25. He's going to love that we won the turnover battle. 12 to 13. And he's going to love our, our shooting percentages. That means we're taking high efficiency shots that were really smart shots. Um, 51, almost 51% from the field and almost 42% from three. That is a tremendous shooting night for the Colorado Buffaloes. And man, Cody Williams, Cody freaking Williams. Just putting points up during Dude, that this game. kid. He he is so special. He he is so so freaking special. Um, played thirty three minutes this game, had twenty three points, uh, was three for four from deep. Huge two boards. Not great for someone of his size. I would like to see him get probably in the six boards range most yeah. days. I think if he's getting if he's pulling six in, we're gonna have a really good shot at winning any game that he's in. Um, three assists, a steal, a couple of big blocks though. That was his biggest thing was he was so engaged on the defensive side of the ball and to shut down, he was guarding one through four all game. You would see him switch off of the one onto everything up to the four. The only thing he didn't guard was the true post. And he put on a, he put on, he put on a clinic. It was awesome to see uh, KJ had another great game with 22 points. KJ Simpson is the engine of this team for better or worse. He's, I would rather have him than a skate booker. I'll tell you that not to hate on ski, but they're kind of in that same vein of player. Um, KJ was electric again. And Tristan De Silva showed up. Our big three all showed up this game. Yeah. And, and I mean, Eddie Lampkin got into foul trouble early. I mean, he only had 21 minutes that game. Um, so mm-hmm. we had, we had to get some, some bench play Luke O'Brien. <laughs> Luke ten, O'Brien. 10, 10 points off the bench, man. What a dude. Luke O'Brien, he uh he's a great spark off the bench. He's the kind of player you need. Um St. Diop is coming along as a freshman out of the forward spot. He kind of comes in when Lampkin does get into that foul trouble, which he's been prone to this year. Um Diop's played better, but when Tag goes small and puts Luke out there with, you know, Hadley, De Silva, KJ, and Cody, it, it's been working. And that's all you can ask for is when your big man gets in trouble, if you have to go a little bit smaller, can you maintain that same level of play and credit to Luke, dude, LOB has been a, he's been solid this year. Hasn't been great, but solid. He's kind of an energizer bunny. Yeah. 
he a hundred percent is. Um, then that was on Thursday. And then we took on Oregon state at home on Saturday. And this one was an ass whooping. Yeah. This game was, a uh, not close at any point except for the opening tip. Um, <laughs> I mean, just a dominant performance from the Buffs. Like, this game was over at half. It was 45-23. Yeah. And I mean, well, and we, like, there were dudes that I don't even think his names have been called all season get some minutes in this one just because of how handily we had it. Yeah, you, I mean, you had walk-ons playing this game or yeah. people that have just not contributed at all because of, you know, just a, another stellar performance from from the big three, Cody played 32 minutes, put up 16 points to Silva, 30 minutes, 19 points. Eddie Lampkin had himself a game, 17 points. Yeah. And, KJ and 26, and t- like though, those are the games that I, or those are the kinds of minutes that I like to see Eddie get is kind of like that 26 to 28 minutes, I think is perfect. Um, mm-hmm. Because the big men, they do get tired. They, they, they cannot go. 30 like the like the guards and then the kind of athletics athletic forwards can um so for him to do like 26 27 28 minutes i'm stoked on any game oh absolutely i think that is the sweet spot for him that kind of keeps him out of foul trouble he's able to go to work a little bit without getting tired you know you, you hit on it there big men get tired especially at the elevation we're playing at a 54 30 yeah like that that's hard especially when you're 6 11 305 right i mean god <laughs> i get winded walking up five flights of st- five stories of stairs i can't imagine what these big dudes who are carrying a lot more weight than i am are doing for sprinting 30 30 plus minutes right that, that's impossible so it was great to see that because you know kind of let our starters get a breather uh diop got a lot of minutes i was just talking about him he put up 10 points had a great performance for him uh we saw bangkok doc who is another, he was kind of a project coming in, but a really high ceiling guy. Um, he's someone to be excited about moving forward for this program, as is Diop. And then, you know, Ruffin got some minutes, which is great because he's still working his way back from that knee injury. So it's good to get him in and kind of up to speed ahead of, you know, February and March where we're really going to need him. Julian Hammond saw the floor a lot. He didn't do a ton in terms of scoring, but he had five assists to, uh, Two turnovers only, so that's a good ratio. I know Taz is going to be happy with that. Mm-hmm. Like, Especially, was, I mean, young sophomore. Yeah, this was this was just a great win for the Buffs, a dominant win for the Buffs. Um, I think we're sitting here wishing that we hadn't dropped that Arizona State and Cal game, those right. two games, because then we're top of the conference, standing alone. But once again, on the men's side, this is a deep, deep Pac-12. Um I think that the pack should realistically, in my eyes, have five teams in the tournament. In my eyes, the committee won't see it that way. Right. But Arizona's an elite team. Oregon's a very good team. Arizona State is surprising a lot of people this year, but Bobby Hurley will Bobby Hurley it down the stretch. We already know that. Um, Colorado, I I think this is easily a 21 team. Easily. Mm -hmm. If If not upwards of 25. And then uh, the Utah Utes are, are actually pretty decent. And, you know, then you got some teams that can surprise some people, whether that's Stanford, um, Cal. Cal's gotten hot lately. Don't know what it is. The only really shitty teams in the pack right now are USC and Oregon State. 
Right. And USC was the best team money could buy at the start of the year, so sucks to suck. <laughs> Sometimes. The investments it, didn't pan out. Sometimes it do be like that, yeah. And and what's nice about the way that our schedule kind of shakes out here is, is that we have the Washington schools, um, Utah, and then, and then the Arizona schools coming up. So in terms of placement in that conference tournament it the it really is going to kind of that meat of it is going to kind of be right here i think uh, at the beginning of february yeah i'd agree with that you know we got a winning on the road in college basketball is really hard and for some reason for a boil team it's always a little bit more challenging um so we gotta we gotta win on the road at the washington schools that's manageable you can do it um, then you go to Utah. That's going to be a little bit tougher. I can see us dropping that. Then you come home against the Arizona schools and you got to make a statement. Right. You, you have to. And then you go out to the LAs. Those are both very winnable games. Um, then you get a nice little, nice little home stretch. And before you finish the season at the Oregon schools where feasibly, if you split those, you're in a really good spot. Yeah. yeah. You're in a really good spot. So um, buffs are, kind of a quasi bubble team right now i've seen some where we're safely in at like an eight seed or nine seed i've seen some where we're first four out and everything kind of in that realm of you know hey we're going to be an 11 seed we're going to be this we'll, we'll kind of see how everything pans i i think once again that cal loss really hurts us and that arizona state loss really hurts us arizona wouldn't hurt florida state isn't great colorado state is fine because they're actually good this year but cal and asu really hurt yeah really hurt yeah well we'll see how it goes down the stretch here for both of these programs uh very gonna be very exciting heading into february here i mean it's crazy that january is almost over um you know obviously we have the the championship games for the nfl and then and then the super bowl and then after that it's pretty much all college basketball Thank God, because I'm not ready to have to talk about baseball. Right. I mean, thank God we still have a long run of college hoops <laughs> and hockey and NBA. Right. Like, yeah. We've we've got we've we, got a run, and we'll be able to dive into those a little bit more once the football season is over. Yes, and sadly, that's going to be a heartbreaking day, but it comes every year, and we got more football the year after. That's right. Which is Absolutely. Good. Maybe we can get into like this XFL, USFL. I'm down. We could just pick a team. I don't think Denver's got one. So we'll just pick a team and yeah. I'll look at the roster. I'll look at the rosters and see if I think that there's one that we should be rooting for in terms of like, if there's any, um, you know, CU Buffs alums or former Broncos, you know, that kind of thing. I'll, I'll look at the rosters. I'll try to figure something out. We'll, we'll pick a team. Well, I know who you would root against. Whatever team Paxton Lynch is on. Exactly. If Paxton Lynch <laughs> somehow, even if he wants his most likely landing spot, would be like a practice squad guy for a USFL team. If that. But I'll root for, you know, like Air Montez. I think Steven Montez will probably get a shot in that league or like Nelson Spruce maybe. Yeah. Paul Richardson. I'm pretty sure Nelson Spruce was on a team last year and so was Steven Montez, if I remember correctly. I'll have to. Yeah, I know check. Monty was. Monty and uh, Phil Lindsay were on the same team, like the Seattle Sea Dragons or something Ooh. like that. That just that, that team name actually just sounds super dope. That I w actually would be super down. <laughs> it's a root for yeah, that. Yeah, we could just pick the best 
name and just let it ride. Just let it ride. Absolutely. Uh, well, awesome, man. Well, anything that you're wanting to add before we sign off? Oh, uh, no. I mean, sports rolls on. We're, we're witnessing history all over the world of sports right now, whether that's, you know, Tara Vandeveer breaking the all-time record. That's a huge accomplishment that can't be understated or overstated enough of how big that is to be that excellent for that long. Or, you know, the Detroit Lions rolling and ending a 32-year drought of a championship game appearance. Um, this is a great time to be a sports fan. It's a great time to be a Buffs fan as, you know, players are starting to report back um, for winter conditioning and winter lifts and all that stuff. We're getting some official transfers coming in, which is really great to see because that's when they officially can't re-enter the portal right. or renege on their agreement, their financial aid agreement, is once they officially enroll in classes. Um one other thing I thought was super cool, just real quick, was uh, we saw Shador, we saw Jordan Seaton, we saw all the new offensive line at the Buffs versus UCLA women's game, supporting down in the student section in the first row. I thought that was dope. Then the next game, you saw Jimmy Horn Jr. with a lot of our defensive guys and some of the receivers out there in the front row of the student section, um, supporting against USC for the women's basketball game. I think that stuff is really cool because it shows that this team isn't just living in their own little football bubble. Right. They are truly becoming buffs, which is a big thing. You know, when you've got Jordan Seaton buying into the university as a whole, when you've got Shador Sanders buying into the university as a whole, that's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool to me. It is. So cool I love that. And that gives me hope that next year after Shador is inevitably drafted in the first round, probably first overall, we are going to hear on Monday Night Football at some point when they're doing the player intros, Shador Sanders, University of Colorado. Yeah. And that is going to be so awesome. Also, in terms of golden age of the buffs, sorry, I'm going on a rant here. We have the potential to see three first-round draft picks from three different sports this year. Mm -hmm. With Shador and Travis from football, um, Cody Williams as a lottery pick for basketball, De Silva and Simpson are both getting mocked in the first round as well, and then Jalen Sherrod in the WNBA. Yeah. That's that is the pinnacle of CU sports right there to have three first rounds. And it puts, it puts oh. a school on the map too, as a destination for these high school kids, you know, when they're deciding where they want to go, if they see that there are other athletes that have come out and made it to that professional level. And that's what the coaches are selling them on a little bit. They see that success. They're going to come to the university of Colorado. Which is dope as Buffs fans. Absolutely. Absolutely. As someone who worked for the teams and a former half elite in yourself, <laughs> it's dope. It is. It is. Well, right on, everybody. Well, thank you so much for giving us another listen on Out of Office Bros. We'll be out of office again and in your ear holes on Friday. For immediate assistance, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, and anywhere that you get your podcasts. And please, yeah, please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and pretty please tell your friends. Best, the Out of Office Bros. Scope Buffs, boycott opening day. Still not talking baseball. Still won't do it. <laughs>